AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And good afternoon and welcome to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, the newest one-hour talk show and entertainment program on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And we are here every Wednesday uh, filling you in on all of the uh, behind-the-scenes things and events happening at Waterfire and some of the other incredible groups that we get to work with at Waterfire um, throughout the season. And I am here with my co-host, the artistic director and creator of Waterfire. Hi, Barnaby. Good Good afternoon, Brahman. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a little wet out there. It is a little wet out there. I mean, I, and we hit all that traffic on the way in, all that flooding. And did you see how high the river was? The river was amazingly high. And you, isn't it funny? Because half the time we don't have enough water in the river to actually no, navigate no. it. <laughs> That's another show. We'll talk about that another time. But we've got some great guests here today. Yes, we do. And, you know, I think we should first uh, start off with last Saturday was probably one of the biggest nights I think that we've had all season. It was amazing. Uh, the number of people. It was a gorgeous night. Yeah. And uh, among the lighters were five very special people, and we're very pleased to talk about them today. Well, that's it. We've got um, a really, uh, I'm really excited about this show today, Barnaby, because it's all about, you know, we've had the privilege to work with some really incredible groups of people. Um, but the three groups of people that we're talking to today are all, um, they're all organizations. They're all changing lives. They're, they are. Yeah. And they're making a difference. Um, and so uh, we're really pl- like privileged in this first half to be um, joined by Raz Restijan, who is the co-chair of the Initiative to Educate Afghan Women. And I'm going to hope I'm going to say this right, Fereshta, which yes. is which Student is one Fereshta, who's yeah. a, uh, someone who just arrived in the United States to go to college here in engineering. So welcome to Rhode Island. Thank uh, you so much. Fereshta and Roz, of course, we've known Roz for years. So <laughs> Thank you for having us. And so, yes, I heard that five of you all lit the fires on Saturday. How did you like it? Uh, it was awesome. It was a very, very good experience. Oh. Great. Well, you know, I think we were so happy to have you there. And, you know, I think maybe what we should do is get a little bit of a background. Roz, yeah. can you tell us a little bit um, about the Initiative to Educate Afghan Women? And really, what is it? I'd be delighted. It's a nonprofit organization whose mission is to bring about a more peaceful and prosperous Afghanistan through the participation of women. And in turn, that means that what we do is we uh, select very highly qualified women who are smart, ambitious, and brave, like the young lady to my left, and we bring them to the United States for a four-year college education to prepare them uh, also for leadership positions, and we supplement their educational experiences with seminars really directed at their being leaders. And this is the 12th year... What yes. what uh, what I would love people to know is this is an international initiative that has huge impact on the world. It starts. It's based here in Rhode Island. It's absolutely based yeah. in Rhode Island, and so proud is, is proud to be proud Rhode Islanders. So. <laughs> and it's its twelfth year, and you have had ninety one students go through the program, which is just an awesome thing. To Correct. Think and about. our students, um, in the beginning, any nonprofit has got hope as its major uh, push point, yeah. but now we have. Um, in our in our mission uh, in our mission accomplished statement, we can say that we have people in Karzai's uh, roundtable, 
We can say that we've got women who have started schools. We can say that we've got women who are the head of insurance concerns uh, on, a na- on a regional basis. We can say that we've got people who have started uh, websites, and we have marchers in the street right. that are boots on the ground. And, and I think one of the things Americans need to hear is there are many successes in Afghanistan, and we tend the news tends to cover the challenges. Yes, yeah. and one of one of the things that I think we and our girls would like is that we we start to turn the needle towards accomplishment mm-hmm. and happy stories rather than uh, trying to engender pity because mm-hmm. most of these stories are great stories of victory absolutely and i i th- just like the news here is always about something went wrong down the street they have to realize that that filter affects the news we get from Afghanistan because there's some astonishing things going on. And I think this program, it's one of the programs that we've had uh, guests from the initiative Atwater Fire four or five times over the last 12 years. But this is the first time we were able to time it so that you could light the fires. And the fires are a symbol of hope and transformation and change and making the world a better place. So it was just a delight to have you there. And for Russia, so how long have you been here in the United States? Is this your first year or second? Yeah, it is the first time that I'm in the United States, and it's almost two weeks that we're here. In well, Rhode welcome. Island. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So can you maybe tell us a little bit, one, what life is like back in Afghanistan, and then two, um, how important this initiative is and, and how you actually learned about it and got involved? Um, well, first, I have no I- I had no idea what is initiative to educate Afghan women. I didn't know that such program exists. But once, uh, once my sister sent me an email, and there was a link there for a scholarship for educating Afghan women, and it was a link for uh, the site of initiative to educate Afghan women. So I applied there, and uh, now I'm here, and I'm, I'm accepted, and I'm so happy for that. Um, well, the situation of education uh, there for women is uh, very bad. However, right now many women are allowed to educate, but there are many, many women who are not allowed to educate, even not in elementary schools. Um, because uh, we have there a very traditional society, um, I think initiative is doing a very great job by educating Afghan women because when these ladies go back to Afghanistan and um, have a very successful life there and even do great things, uh, I think they can be very good role models for other people to let their children to educate, let their girls to improve in education. Farishta, I'm, del- I'm intrigued that you're going into engineering. That's, yes. Uh, that's wonderful. That's uh, so important. I mean, we've got so much to build all around the world, particularly yes. in Afghanistan, though. Yes, yes. What? And I was reading, I know that a lot of your um, alumni are going back, as you said, and actually helping to, again, kind of improve the situation over there, because it looks like it's radically improved. And but that you've got... It has radically improved, but our eyes lit up like... Christmas trees and neon signs when we read that one of our applicants wanted to be an engineer because that is the kind of thing that we really want to have happen to Afghanistan. Russ, let's talk a little bit about that because I think many um, people involved in international development 
are discovering the importance of including women and, in fact, leading with women in changing places, that often the investment in women immediately gets to their children, it gets to the family, and it gets things done. And in areas such as engineering, which are not only an important thing to be done, but also something that's traditionally seen as a sort of male enclave, I think it's absolutely wonderful to have Farishta heading in that direction. But let's, can you talk a little bit? About, I mean, I know in, in Afghanistan in particular and in some other countries, there's a, in, in certain conservative circles, a uh, hesitation to educate women. And it's just, it's, you're losing half of your population, first of all. But second of all, it, uh, it is a, a wall that you can't get around, so it's so important to do. Well, in the, in the crudest economic sense, you're wasting the talent of half of your population. Right. And that's that has been the subject of, of t- many, many topics and many, many speakers, hist- historians, philosophers, educators. Uh, Nicholas Kristof probably is the person that leaps to mind as the, the forerunner in the statistical presentation of the argument for using women um, in the best of all senses for their brains, for their resources, for their energy. Educating a woman um, is one of the first components of reducing uh, child deaths, maternal labor deaths. It is a very critical factor in the health of children. An educated woman's children will be far more healthy and better fed with scarce resources than an uneducated woman. Um, it, it Education reaches into everything from the education of the child to the sanitation surrounding the child and the importance of of words and learning in terms of a child's development and contribution yeah, and worldview. It, and it sets an example for the, the daughters to go to school yes. as well. It's, yes. uh, it's planting seeds in so many different directions at once. Um, Roz, is there, can we give a website for people to learn more about the initiative? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. Um, on that topic, we're just about to launch our new website, and it is ieaw.org. Because, uh, you know, I've been to several gatherings about this, and we've, as I said, mentioned, brought you to, had you at Waterfire, but this is just one of those groups of a group of citizens coming together that are having incredibly positive impact on changing the world, and we're so delighted to be help in leading you on your your voyage as well. Thank you. Yeah, so so how do you want to change the world for your state? What, what, what do you see as the big dream down the road? Um, I think the first thing is to encourage women to educate, to know their rights, to protect their rights themselves. And personally, uh, I want to I want to be a successful woman there. And uh, after that, when I am a successful person, people around me, uh, when they see that a girl, a woman, can do something great, can uh, be something someone beneficial for the society or for her family, um, they will change their mind about the girls in my society. There's no doubt you're going to be one heck of an inspiration. You already are. And, you know, we were talking before we even came on the air, and uh, you said, you told us what your name meant, and it means angel. And you've got the face of an angel, and you just the most beautiful eyes, and, you know, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. Yeah.
I think she's going to light the world on fire. Oh, what do you I, say, I Barnaby? Think she is. She already lit Providence on fire last Saturday. Yes, she you know, did. And you know, which brings us back to water fire a little bit. One of the things that we try to do with water fire is to build community in the broadest sense possible, and to make people understand that they all have a place in community and that they have a place to participate in making the world a better place. And the reason why I had hoped the five of you would join us to light the fires is because you're setting a light in the world and you're setting an example and you're illuminating the possibility of the future. And all of our volunteers and staff and the whole event is about that sense of creating expectation and beauty and peace. So I was, you know, I don't know if you have if you had any reaction to being there on the boat that night. Um, it was a very, very good uh, experience for me. First, I did not, I did not expect to be one of the performers there, but when I went there inside the boat, and everyone was waving their hands toward us, and we were the ones who started the light, the fire, and the fires were th- the thing there that was the most important and made the people happy. So, I was. Uh, um, I was a person who became a reason for making other people happy by starting those fires. What a it beautiful thing to say. And you know, Thank you, Farishta. It has been such a pleasure to have both of you here. Thank you for the amazing work you're doing, Raz. And Farishta, yeah, you are going to light that world on fire. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting us. And welcome back. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. And I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelzer, and I'm here with Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire. And Barnaby, God, wasn't that just an amazing interview? What oh, a beautiful okay. girl. Yeah. And Roz was just phenomenal, too. Um, for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, Barnaby and I have been uh, talking to a great group of people uh, that we've had the privilege of working with at Waterfire um, over the years. And all the different groups that we're talking to and the people we're talking to today have one thing in common, and that is that they their organizations work towards changing lives and really making a difference and especially changing lives for our youth um, you know to make the, the place of you know the world a better Absolutely. place to be and so um, and we got three of our favorites here today so it's really great we do and so in the last segment you know we looked back and a little bit um, while looking forward but look back because of course we had those beautiful five Afghan women that lit the fires last week but now as we look to August 23rd is our next water fire date uh, actually we're we're going to have some really amazing things. And one of those beautiful things happening at Waterfire is the Capoeira Batizado. And so we have joining us today from Grupo Ondas, Silas Pinto, who we call Tigri. Correct. <laughs> and Tigri, you've been doing Capoeira at Waterfire for about 12 years? Is about this is our 11th one. 11th year. Okay. It's... Uh, um, I first discovered you doing uh, capoeira in the street and then went to your your dojo. And I just have to say, uh, Silas, you have such an amazing approach to people. But we should talk a little bit um, before we go into what this is, uh, just a description, Silas, of what capoeira is. And it's something about what I want to start with that, though, is uh, they will be doing a demonstration of capoeira, and uh, he'll Silas will talk a little bit more about it, from 6 to 8 o'clock this coming uh, not this coming, on August 23rd. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely worth seeing. So, Silas, tell us a little bit about capoeira. Sure. I think one of the things that makes capoeira so beautiful is that it's a synergy 
of a lot of different things that bring a lot of joy and uh, experience to people. It has dance and history, music. Students have to learn how to play instruments. There's the martial art component. There's acrobatics. There's a language. Yeah. There's a yeah. language component yeah. to yeah. it. And students at a very young age are learning how to speak Portuguese and at least learning the basic terms and then hopefully inspire them to pick up another language. It's a martial art that uh, is technically Brazilian uh, but has roots in Central Africa. A lot of the slaves that were brought over to Brazil brought certain elements of a fighting art and there in Brazil over time sort of evolved into something that we call capoeira today. Uh, slavery ended in 1888 in Brazil. Uh, capoeiristas hit the streets immediately looking for ways to make a living. Uh, and unfortunately, what they had at the time after slavery was their hands, their feet, and their ability to survive. Um, capoeira was outlawed until 1892, and from there really started as a formal uh, exercise that and, and sort of gathering and, for people. And um, Tigri, we, we sh- you should describe it a little bit because it's uh, it's such a fascinating combination of. First of all, it's the only martial art that involves music. Am I right? I mean, yeah, and, and, in that way, and absolutely. Rhythm and dance and acrobatics. So if you think of it as a martial art, that's only capturing one aspect of it. So. So absolutely. One of the things that I wanted to say is that uh, what makes it different is this piece of music, this interplay between the physical art and the musical art. Capoeira cannot exist without mm. the musical component. With the rhythm and, and the singing and the, yeah. Singing, um, chanting, not only that, but also communicating with the capoeiristas through the music. So once a harder begins, which is where capoeira actually exists, in a circle where the energy is, uh, is focused and areas, focused, yeah. um, the musicians, which are often the instructors of the harder, they don't we, actually stop to, to say, don't do this or yeah. don't do that. They yeah. actually communicate with the players, which is what we call them, yeah. through the music. Through the, and the instruments are? Yeah, instruments are very important. We have uh, berimbau, which a lot of people don't know what it is. It's yeah. actually one that uh, originated also in Africa. They still play it in certain parts of the world, like Thailand. Yeah. We have a drum. We have some tambourines, um, uh, cowbell-looking And, and the berimbau is a single-string gourd resonator instrument right. that makes... It, it, it looks a lot like a bow and arrow meets a single string violin right. <laughs> the only difference is yeah. you and it's got, got a great sound it, or yeah. it has a beautiful sound yeah absolutely I, you know I, the question i have because i've been on the road show with you and seen you do this for years um uh, through all my years at water fire is that so you're moving with these very specific movements and how do you cue each other as to what you're going to do or how does that work that interplay because i know that sometimes you're sweeping a leg over somebody's head and i'm like oh jeez right. i didn't know to duck it can really <laughs> look choreographed right and people see capoeira and they say oh they probably practice that a lot to choreograph it but actually it's just a conversation a conversation is you ask a question i answer it then i might ask you a question you answer it and then it can grow to maybe be more of like a debate where i'm trying to cut you <laughs> off so you learn the basics and then there's no choreography at all yeah, it's um, all improvised in live real time and it's a conversation in real time That's and sometimes that head that goes over that foot that goes someone over someone's head doesn't quite go over <laughs> someone's head That's right. it, it's dependent on them to duck right. in rhythm sort of 50/50 if you get hit 
<laughs> you didn't move, and the other person also didn't exercise control. So and you'll remember caution. to duck next time, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, that's a, a, another fascinating aspect about capoeira, the sense of cooperation, that it's not mastery over the other. It's a dialogue back and forth. It's fun, but it's also a discipline. It's an incredible way to stay limber and fit, but it's also an educational exposure. Um, Tiki, could you talk about your own life and how you discovered Capoeira? Because this is it's a story I've heard you describe before. It's just fascinating, and you've had such impact on an incredibly wide range of kids. Because I want to talk about what that does for people that you find who otherwise don't have a focus. Sure. Um, I don't know exactly where to start. I guess I'll start in the middle somewhere <laughs> where um, I was looking for something a little bit less aggressive but had that discipline. Uh, I was always interested in martial arts, kickboxing, karate, which I still do. But there was something missing, which was uh, this incredible sense of community. Um, these other sports... Uh, various times felt like me against the world you're competing one-on-one with people who's going to win then i started seeing uh, this art form that was all about cooperation that was about discipline and control and it was very attractive not to mention the music and it's, the it's, it's absolutely beautiful it's gorgeous and it's that attracted me to it so i started doing it at classical high school uh, principal mezzanari at the time allowed us to do a little uh, group right out of the cafeteria and we invited some students. Next thing you know, we had 10 interested students. We started traveling into um, New York, looking for opportunities to train Capoeira. Unfortunately, there was none around here. The closest ended up being in Boston. Um, and eventually went to uh, URI, where we established it as a student organization, gave us more opportunities and funding to travel throughout the country as well as Brazil to learn, and ultimately became a formal group here in Rhode Island in 2000. So it's been quite a journey, and it's hard to kind of compress it into yeah. like, uh, one minute. Well, and, and it's so wonderful to watch the energy and the uh, enthusiasm of all the people in the Hoda and interacting and singing in Portuguese together. The, um, you know, you've often come to Waterfire and 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 done. Um, I don't know what we would call them. They're not really demonstrations. They're, they're engagements, really, with the audience. And the audience is fascinated by it. And the Batizado, once a year, you're going to do earlier that afternoon where you come together and it's a rising in rank and in recognition. But you're going to have teachers coming in Capoeira from all over, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. This year we have a special guest coming Mestres, from right? Mestres, which are known as the masters, the elders. We have professores who are the young instructors uh, who've had lots of experience, usually around 20 years and so on. Uh, we have a special guest coming from Brazil, one from Canada, Mr. Andu Fabio Novento, who teaches in Toronto. We have message from the region, Massachusetts, Massicalango, Massachusetts, people from New York and and uh, as far as Florida, Virginia. Sure. So on and, and there's so also a Cape Verdean strain to uh, capoeira. Uh, it's largely we know it in Brazil, but many of the slaves that came from Africa into Brazil came through Cape, Cape Verde. Absolutely. And, and that tradition, so you've also recognized that. So there's That's a piece that's roots. very close to my heart, you yeah. know, being born in Cape Verde and trying to find these lost pieces yeah. that have been sort of disappeared with time. So yes, it's one of the things that our group tries to do is bring back some of that recognition. 
So from 6 to 8 on August 23rd at Waterplace Stage, this will be the 11th year, I think, where you have presented uh, Capoeira there, and you will be lighting water fire from the torches from the, the Mestres. And it's something I really encourage to people to see. But also, uh, what's the website where they can learn more about Grupo Andes? They can go to Capoeira, which is spelled C as in cat, A-P as in Paul, O-E-I-R-A, B as in Brazil, C-V as in Cape Verde. Dot com. <laughs> and if you go to um, um, www.waterfire forward slash radio, you'll find links to this as well as a recording of this. Excellent. So. You know, and I, I got to tell you, I'm reading your universal creeds, and, and I can see why this would be so good, especially, do you do this with inner city kids? And, yes. I mean, it's excellent. I mean, you really, to build true confidence through knowledge in the mind, honesty in the heart, and strength in the body. I mean, what that to me is just such a beautiful thing. And I think there's so many school programs that are being shut down now. And I think that something positive for youth yeah. to do that builds confidence. And, you know, like you've got 10 core principles, which, you know, out of those, there's respect and self-control. And and a lot of other ones, which is just, again, just what a wonderful thing for... It's, well, it's, we were, the program's about changing lives. And uh, uh, Silas, I'm pleased to say that I have seen so many lives changed by Capoeira and your work. It's uh, oh, thank it's you. an honor to have you continue with us for 12 years, and it's the sort of thing we really love to celebrate at Waterfire. Yeah, so. and we thank you for always being supportive of our events because it's all about education and letting people know that Capoeira matters and that it's available. Now and it changes around. the world. It does. Tigri, thank you so much for coming My on. My pleasure. And we cannot wait to see you on August 23rd. And I hope everyone does check out uh, their website because it's a wonderful um, activity to get involved in. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. Welcome back. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelzer, and I am here with Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire. And we are here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And our whole show today is all about changing lives and some of the wonderful groups that we have been able to work with at Waterfire and that we will be working with um, at the upcoming August 23rd fire. So, Barnaby, well, you know, with that, isn't that Tigre an amazing guy? He is. Uh, and I, for those people who haven't yet discovered Capoeira, this is an event. I just can't recommend it enough. It's uh, it's fascinating. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so now moving on to another wonderful thing that we have happening on the 23rd. And uh, we're going to be working with Teach for America again. Teach for America. I think this is probably how long has Teach for America been around? Well, let's introduce our guest first. Okay. Exactly. So we'd like to welcome um, David Floyd, who is the Director of School Partnership and Policy for Teach for America here in Rhode Island. Welcome, David. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having great, me. Great to have you. You as well. I think this is going to be the uh, fifth year that they've been participating okay. in Waterfire, that we've been participating in but, Waterfire. But I'm thinking uh, that too, but the, how long has you been in Rhode Island? Uh, I think similarly for okay. five years. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so yeah. I wasn't sure if we did it right from the beginning. Okay, yeah. good. So um, I think nationally the organization um, has been uh, around for over 20 years now, good. but in Rhode Island this is our fifth year. Well, it's been our great pleasure to welcome the teachers who are coming into Rhode Island 
to teach in our schools all over the state, and uh, usually it's about 35 teachers or so. How much? How many teachers are coming in this year? Yeah, that's correct. So last year we brought in uh, 30 new teachers, and this year we have 35 new teachers, um, which is exciting for us. So I think we're trying to balance being ambitious in, in the growth of our program, also being feasible and, and, sure. and thinking about where the need is. And what Brahman and I have been looking at today with uh, these great guests is changing lives. Could you tell us, uh, I think the Teach for America program is a really interesting program, and these are recent college graduates, but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about um, its conception and what you've been doing in Rhode Island for the last five years? Sure, yeah. So I, I think the idea of Teach for America was born um, out of the reality that in our low-income in urban areas, uh, in some places, about half of students won't finish high school. Uh, and I think as we see in society an increasing need for um, not only a high school degree, but some sort of post-secondary training, whether that's college or whether that's a trade. Um, and so when students aren't given the educational opportunities they need, then they're unable to find a productive place within society and, and able to realize um, this potential that we know that we have. So um, what we do in Teach for America is we look to recruit um, a diverse and talented pool of individuals um, to come and to commit for teaching for at least two years in the low-income schools um, around our state. Um, and, and what we find is that beyond the impact in the classroom, um, it's also this realization um, not only of how complex the issue is of ensuring that every kid's getting a great education, but also that it is a solvable problem. Um, right. and, and so inspiring them towards that in their own growth and leadership. I, you know, we've had the pleasure of meeting many of your teachers as they've come in and discovered uh, Rhode Island. Uh, sometimes it's the first weekend night that they've been. Is that when do, are they here now? Or are they? Yeah, so they have just returned from New York City, um, where they did their summer training program. Okay. Um, and 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 the event like Waterfire is such an amazing thing for them because uh, for about a third of them, this is homecoming, right? So yeah. they have either grew up here or, or went right. to college here. But for the other two thirds, um, coming from different places as far as California and Texas and Washington, this is an incredible opportunity to learn about the community to learn uh, what's important about the community and, and to be able to be invested in a lot of the really wonderful things going on in Providence. And, and we're just incredibly grateful that they get the opportunity to participate in that. Well, it's uh, Waterfire is a, a wonderful window to open up to the, the strength and beauty and diversity and just... Uh, magic that can happen mm. in the city and uh it's uh what we want to do is emphasize the positive things and help people achieve their missions and help lives be changed and uh we're so pleased to have these partnerships uh, one of the things that we play with um in i use play in a positive sense that we uh, talk about in conceptualizing an experience like water fire is metaphoric communication and this idea of lighting a torch and walking out into into the dark, carrying a torch, and is meant to represent what teachers do. Mm. They illuminate the world and they set a spark in uh, students' minds, so they're excited about learning. And there's that wonderful quote from Plato that education is not the filling of a bucket, but the lighting of a torch, mm. so that people can go forth into a dark world. And all these Promethean images of Prometheus bringing fire to man for the first mm. time and it being a symbol of education and accomplishment and engagement, that's the that's the story landscape in which we create water fire. Sure. And earlier to this uh, in the broadcast, we were talking to both the... Uh, 
the students from Afghanistan about this sense of everyone coming together and bringing light into the world. And it's the same thing with Tigre and his group of uh, caporistas who are performing. And it's a, it's a wonderful series of volunteers and professionals and artists who all come together to make the evening magical. Hmm. So how long have you been with Teach for America, David? Uh, so I have been on staff for um, a little over a year, about 14 months now. But previous to that, um, I, I joined Teach for America when I graduated from college, uh, and I was a sixth grade teacher um, for three years, which um, I can say that I loved sixth grade dearly. Not many people <laughs> do because it's such an interesting age, but I found them uh, my students to just be fascinating and in such an interesting place in their lives as they moved out of elementary school and into and into secondary and into middle school. It was such an interesting and transformative time in their lives. So. Absolutely. And I guess I, I would be curious, um, what are the statistics here in Rhode Island as to graduation rates for low-income families? Sure. Yeah, so so they mirror national statistics. Um, so when you look at um, students growing up in low-income communities, it is about um, half of them um, are unlikely to graduate from high school, um, and even those that do, about one in ten of them are likely to graduate from college. Um, so again, when we think about um, an increasingly complex economy that requires a variety of skills, that form of post-secondary training is so vital, and, and you can't access that, that training unless you have um, a strong educational foundation in, in your early years and in your high school years. And so uh, in working with the teachers who are already doing great work in our schools, we bring in our teachers um, in the hopes of ensuring that they're able to provide our kids a really great education, because as you, as you alluded to, it is a lighting of a fire. We're not filling our students with what they don't already have because they bring such a diversity of experiences uh, and wisdom and knowledge to to the table already. It's letting people see something in a new light, literally, a new perspective. That's what education is about. And what I I love about the guests we've had today is you're all doing it in many different ways, and they all interact together to make a greater whole. Um, we were talking about the, uh, the students from Afghanistan who, for whom education was actually denied in their country, mm. these women who could not go to school and are coming here for a college education. Um, um, CELIS's program with Capoeira brings students' engagement and a sense of belonging and a real sense of mastery and discipline and a reason to stay in school. And Teach for America talks about this larger program of education. And frankly, I think there are many success stories in education in Rhode Island. And once again, just like the news focuses on the bad, there's so many positive programs. Yeah. And I think when we were talking before we came on air, you were telling me that there's some really some interesting kind of shifts and movements in Teach for America and what you're seeing in the, in the actual um, teachers that yeah. you're recruiting. Yeah, so one of the things that we've been working to do is really to diversify our teaching force. Um, we know that nationally about one out of five teachers identifies as a person of color, um, and yet when you look in our low-income schools, about 90% of our students identify as a person of color. Um, and so while we know that all teachers can be successful, we know that when students can look at the teacher and they can see themselves that that can be really powerful and so this year nationally Teach for America half of their incoming teachers um, identify as a person of color which is really exciting for us especially when we look at one of our teachers uh, like Miss Gomez who teaches first grade uh, in the same neighborhood in which she grew up and so now her students are seeing her not only as someone who who looks like them and who can speak with their parents in their native language but also grew up in the same neighborhood in the same environment as they did. 
Which which cities are, you, are will these 35 teachers be teaching in? So right now um, we're throughout um, Providence, um, Cumberland, uh, a little bit in Lincoln, um, in Pawtucket, uh, in Central Falls. Um, and in the past we've been in places um, like Newport. Um, but it, it depends, again, where, where the needs are throughout our cities. But but Providence at this point is, a, is, our, is our largest partner in a variety of traditional public and, and public charter schools as well. Well, David, I'd really like to thank you for coming in. I'd like to thank you for the work that Teach for America is doing. And uh, just to close out, we will be having your 35 teachers carry torches through water fire on August 23rd as they begin their uh, next two years of teaching here in our state. We can't wait. We're very excited for it. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're listening to AM 790, Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island. Welcome back. You're listening to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, and I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelzer, and I'm here with Barnaby Evans. And wow, what an amazing show, Barnaby, you know, all about changing lives in these wonderful um, groups that we get to work with. But as we were sitting here, um, you know, I, I was reflecting and uh, thinking forward even, you know, we did the Hep C fire, all right. about changing all lives. All about changing lives, absolutely. We did the Gloria Gemma fire. Yeah. Um, everything the, the that veterans seemed, fire, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what we try to... Um, reach out to connect with or the many, many people who are making, moving the community forward in so many different ways. Yeah, and I know, I know that we've done in the past a salute to uh, teachers and educators. We will be doing that uh, again on uh, September 27th will be the salute to Rhode Island educators, and they changed it from teachers to educators because they want to talk about the importance of principals and people who run the schools and things like that. And that will be on September 27th along with Bryant University and URI and the U.S. China Institute. And the That's right. Dragons will be on the river again, right? Uh, there <laughs> will be dragons on the river. Uh, I was just talking about whether we can get the dragons to breathe fire and pk was scratching his head and saying but um but <laughs> something we'll, we'll solve it uh, but yeah we'll be uh the, we'll be looking at distinguished educators 75 of them who've received national awards who will be honoring on september 27th so there's a theme here yeah it's we, all well, about changing a, lives we've got a lot of you know i was thinking that we've got a lot of fires that um we're looking forward to normally we we used to remember shut down in october but not not anymore we've then got we have the veterans fire which is and we just did the 150th anniversary of the police and boy was it amazing to watch all those policemen uh just you know celebrating and and with some with some sadness we had the families there of of four officers that we would they had lost mm-hmm. and uh, there's a the sense of sacrifice and the the professionalism they bring as well as the challenges they face yeah and you know i, I got to tell you wasn't it nice to have that ballroom back up and running yeah, again so i'm going to put a shameless plug in here because i'm the director of development but we need a sponsor because we need to get that back people were so excited we Barnaby. need us also back for all the teach for america of, uh, dancers as well as uh, CLC. it was beautiful that's it was right a wonderful night. we used to bombard them right and you used to have salsa dancers come out and yeah that was a surprise it was a surprise we'll do it again we will so yeah so if there's anybody out there that uh wants to sponsor that ballroom we'd like to get her back up and running next year um so i want to thank everybody for listening barnaby you know i think when you created water fire i don't know if you ever expected that you would be changing so many lives by by allowing us to work with such incredible groups and highlight them and they and we can work together as partners in this community so thanks thank you you're very welcome 
I just think it's important to say thank you and to recognize people doing great work. That's right. at the heart is what we're trying to do at Water Fire. It's not about the fires. It's about the people working together to make Rhode Island a great place. So thank you, everyone, who's been listening today. We had great guests, a great show. If you missed any of the show, you can find it on business790.com. And uh, we hope to see you soon down by the river. We'll be back with you next Wednesday. <laughs>